Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear in the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. What's up, everybody? This is going to be episode number 73 of the podcast, and I've got my buddy Clay Currington is going is in the office. He is going to be the guest host. Um, he's taking Ryer's spot because Ryer is working. So Clay has come up here to help me with some editing, with some shooting, with a bunch of stuff, and he just drove in and just got here. What's up, buddy? Hello again. Um, and he is not on the phone this time. He's actually in the office, so yeah, he won't sound like he's on the phone. Um, which is always better. And I wish I could get everybody to come in the office and report, record podcasts, but we're not near as big enough podcast to do that yet. Maybe one of these days. Um, but anyway, been really trying to be a stickler on trying to get a podcast out every Monday. And this is Sunday night, the 8th. So this podcast will go up tomorrow morning at 8. So this is a 12-hour turnaround because this is the first chance I've had to do it. And I didn't want to do it by myself. I've kind of gotten used to hosting with someone else and having somebody else to bounce off of. Um, and Clay actually even just said that Ryer has a great podcast voice, so maybe he won't hear this because he's all the time in here trying to talk about how he can mess with his levels to make his voice sound deeper and uh, more manly. And uh, Clay go- goes and gives him a compliment that he has a good podcast voice. He can he can deal not being on the podcast considering who he's with right now. So yeah. He's fine. perfectly fine not being on the he, podcast. He is in Texas with Kip Campbell with Red Arrow and Ted Nugent. So we hate his guts. So wherever you're at, Ryer, right now, um, we're sending hate your way. Um, while you're working, though, we are kind of hanging out and playing. We'll be working tomorrow. But I um, wanted to record a podcast um, today and go over a couple of different things. Um, we did the giveaway, got a lot of really good um, good feedback on uh, some of the podcasts that we wanted done. And the one that I picked to do on this one, and I'm probably going to try and do a couple of them, but the one I picked on this one is kind of twofold. Is It's going to be the uh, holiday buying guide of things that you can go out and buy with either Christmas money or with um, tax money. Or, you know, just some money laying around that you hid from your wife or your girlfriend. And uh, the second half of it is going to be some listener questions um, I put out earlier today just so we'd have some more stuff to talk about because I don't think the buying, buying guide is going to take too terribly long. Um, so I wanted us to have something else to talk about. And so Clay's really not I'm, – I'm halfway prepared for this. Clay's not as prepared because he doesn't have my notes in front of him. He's just sitting there, and he's going to jump in wherever he sees fit. So – um that's how this one's going to go. Uh, it might be terrible. It might be great. But I, hopefully we'll give you some information that will help you. So um, first things first, it is the Christmas season, and uh, I know people are out there trying to figure out, okay, you got a couple extra hundred dollars that you're going to try and spend on something to up your game in production or content creation. And uh, really this is going to come down to the questions that I ask all the time is what is your goal? You know, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to – you know, are you trying to improve your production value? Are you trying to add cameras? Are you trying to add lenses? Are you trying to make sure you don't lose that footage by backing it up? Are you, you know, what what's your goal? Um, and then how much money do you have to spend? Because that's a 
I mean, if you got plenty of money to spend, then you can get some, you know, really cool stuff. But if you've only got two or three hundred bucks, I mean, that's not gonna, only going to go so far. But if that's all you have, there's plenty of stuff that you can get as well. So I kind of wrote down a couple of things, um, and I wanted Clay to jump into of some things that he thought that might that might fit into this too. So let's say you have a budget of less than five hundred dollars. You know, say up to five hundred dollars to spend, um, and you want to get some things that would really improve your production or your content creation or your your series or your YouTube channel or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of things that you can get for 500 bucks. The first thing, if you don't already have it and you have $500 to spend, it was gonna, it's going to take up pretty much every dime of that is a good set of wireless mics. Um, if you don't have live mics, you absolutely need them. Um, the Rode Filmmaker Kit, uh, they're going to be less than $500. They're a little bit bigger and bulkier um, than the Sennheisers. To me, they have a better sound quality right out of the box. But they uh, and they're going to be a little bit cheaper than the Sennheisers. But the the sacrifice is the the size of them. Chuck bu- bugs me all the time when he had to wear them. About he said he was carrying a garage door opener in his pocket and he hated it, and complained until the point where I had to buy a second set of mics and I bought Sennheisers and now he hasn't complained anymore. Um, but the road is the road filmmaker kit. I'm pretty sure is the name of it. And I owned those and I own the Sennheiser E3 mics. Um, I couldn't tell you which one I like better. They're neck and neck in my opinion. Um, I think the Sennheiser, um, works well, the batteries last longer in my Sennheisers than my roads, but I think the road, uh, sound quality is better. So that's going to come down to personal preference, and but the Sennheisers are six hundred and something dollars. One so. one thing you can also think about as well is like I run the Sony's because mm-hmm. I bought them as a kit with my FS5, mm-hmm. and you can actually hook those up to the hot shoe on your camera. Yeah, you can't not, do that with a road. Not, not have to run batteries in that one that's attached to your camera, yeah. the transmitter. So that's and, something to think. And about. And Rotter so. has the Sony's, so we have all three here, and he has. He likes them, but he has some problems running it through his hot shoe. He's had dropouts and it not work and um, sound quality, you know, be kind of fuzzy. So I think he's actually pulled his from running it through the hot shoe Just and runs it. double A's. Runs it. His rechargeable double yep, A's. Yeah. So, and that was one of the questions. Mm. That was your question that we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, but that's, if you have $500 and you want one item that's really going to up your game, is that's wireless mics. Um, that is going to improve everything. It's going to improve your sound quality. It's going to improve your communication with your hunter and your producer. Um, it's going to improve your experience with your audience. I mean, it is money well spent. Yes. Um, and that's not something that you have to upgrade every year. Yeah, no. That's one of those things like lenses or uh, just a tripod, something like that, mm-hmm. that. Unless you completely dunk it in water and break it, mm-hmm. it you're going la- well, to have them forever. My, my, road, my road mic pack took a dive into brackish water in Louisiana. Still works. I mean, completely underwater. Guy fell out of the boat with my mic pack on. And everybody else is laughing at him. And I'm like slapping my face like <laughs> there went half of my mic yeah. set up in the water. Yeah. And I took it home, put it in rice, dried it out. And luckily it, it was more fresh water than salt water. Yeah, and it still works. Right. And I still use it. It's, it's my backup mic set now unless, I'm, yeah. you know, unless I've got two guys on camera. Then I'll run two lives. But, um, now, but speaking of that, how do you feel about the single transmitter with two receivers? I've never used one. I haven't either. Um, what, what, there's a company out there now. It looks just like the Sony mics. Starts with an S. It's Ceremonic. like Ceremonic. That's that's that 
microphone I was telling you about for yeah. ATA. That's what I have. Well, the Ceremonic has the dual. Yeah. So what he's saying is there's one receiver on the camera and then it will run two mics. So you can be running two, two people with mics on. And, and, it's they, gonna s- and they input as separate channels mm-hmm. as well. So technically, if you have your shotgun hooked up as well, you're going to end up with three, three audio channels. And the FS7 and the FS5 allow up to four channels. Um, but these some of these other cameras that only have two XLR, XLR ports, I think they only allow two channels. And if you get into the Handycam game, you're not going to have four channels well, audio. One cheat, when I was running a DSLR, they make... I don't know where it is. I can get you the the link for it to put in the podcast notes. They make a 3.5 to 3.5 splitter mm-hmm. that you can plug into a camera. And then it goes out to obviously 3.5, a red one and a black one. And it'll put two audio channels into your DSLR if, if you don't have XLR ports. Yeah, I, I've ran something similar way back in the day. We used to buy them from Campbell Cameras, but it kind of did the same thing. You could run two mics to a single channel and it was a little box that went on the top of your camera. Yeah, this this is just a cord. Oh, you really? You don't have to run the box, it's just a cord. So this this it worked okay. Yeah. Um it's just like an aux cord. But it's so. a but it, but for a workaround, but you got to remember too, most of the guys listening and this is me, th- you know, the me talking to myself, most of the guys listening, they're happy to get one channel of audio. Yeah. You know, they're not going to run two or three, but once you up that production game, these are the things you got to think about. Yep. So Let's stay on the, the stay on the theme. If you got five hundred bucks and you already have a set of wireless mics, what's another thing that you could spend your money on, or a couple of things that you could spend your money on to get within that range? Well, a really good on camera light um, is essential, and you can get those from forty bucks to five hundred bucks. Um, I use some that are forty. I use some that are about a hundred. Um, my little forty dollar one's a newer N E E W E R. It runs off AA batteries. It lasts forever. It's bright. And uh, you can get them on Amazon Prime for like like under forty bucks. They're amazing. You, everybody should have one or two of those in their bag. Another one. It's called Aperture. Um, it's spelled funny. I'll have to write it in. I'll try and write it in the notes. But I actually Velcro it onto the front of my LCD on my uh, my camera, so I never forget it. And it's Velcroed on. And I'll try and take a picture of that too. Um, it's awesome. And there's another one called the Cube. That's uh, it's a little more. It's like 70 or 80. Um, I think they've got some that are up to 100. But it's a tiny little cube that mounts on your cold shoe or your hot shoe. And it's rechargeable. And it's a really good light. And it's small. And it's really, really rugged. And it's waterproof. So uh, a really good on-camera light is something that you absolutely need that doesn't cost that much money that every producer should have on them at all times. Because you need them in the, in the vehicle in the early mornings. You need them in the dark. You need them inside buildings that have got really crappy lights and you need to light things up and you need to get rid of shadows. I mean, there's a thousand different uses for a good, uh, good on-camera light. So that's something you absolutely need to have. Going, going off of that, I don't know if it's on your list, but diffuser reflector. Yeah, no, I don't think, uh, no, that's not on my list. But that's something yeah, I, that's remember seeing, dirt cheap, I remember seeing, I remember seeing Ryer doing something I didn't even think of using the diffuser inside the ground blind. Mm-hmm. I've never he, done that before. I never thought about cutaways. that either. Yeah, that was on a Kip trip, that, actually. That was ingenious. I mm-hmm. can't believe I'm giving him credit for that, but yeah. that was very ingenious. Yeah, he's not going to listen to this because, I mean, he's we're not just... on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, another really good thing. That's really good. Another one to have because it doesn't cost that much as a bounce or a reflector. That's um, going to help with your photos, and it too. And it doesn't take up that much space. Mm-hmm. They make little bitty ones. They make really, really big ones. Um, another thing for under $500 is a 24 to 105 lens. If you're running a... 
if you have a DSLR, if you have a uh, a camera with a removable lens, a 24 to 105 or a 24 to 70, which is 24 to 70 is going to be a lot more expensive. A 24 to 105 lens is a super versatile lens that's going to get you, I'd say, 75% of all the shots you're going to want when you are when you're out filming. Um, it's going to be stuck at f4 though. Yeah, it's not going to go yeah, 2.8. Yeah. but it, it's going to be. F4. It's going to you're going to lose a couple stops of light that you'd like to have, but the difference is a couple hundred dollars or several hundred dollars if you want those two stops of light. And honestly, I have a, I have 2.8 lenses, mm-hmm. and filming wildlife like hunting with mm-hmm. 2.8 is a pain. It's always moving. I end up sticking it at f4 anyways. Mm-hmm. So unless you're doing photos, that f that two stops of light, yeah, not that big of a deal. Um, another another thing that's fairly inexpensive that I swear by that we've actually done a couple of tech tips on my Instagram the last couple of days is some really good Pelican cases, some really good traveling cases that are going to keep your stuff safe. They're going to keep them organized that you can lock up that you don't have to worry about TSA humming and breaking. Um, I buy, I'm, like I've said a thousand times, I buy thing used Every one of the cases I have are used. I bought them. I found them on, it was either Facebook Marketplace or it was Craigslist. It was like this warehouse that had a bunch of decommissioned military Pelican cases. I went in there and bought like more cases than I'll ever use for like 200 bucks. So if you you don't have to buy them new, they're good forever. I'm pretty sure they have a lifetime warranty. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I'm pretty sure they do. Another company that basically the same stuff, Pelican's called Condition One. Mm-hmm. And SKB does it as well. Yeah. SKB is a little more expensive than Pelican, mm-hmm. but I know it's almost like a sub-company of Pelican, I believe, or they're funded by the same... Condition 1? Condition 1. Mm-hmm. But I think it's Condition and then the number 1, not the not O-N-E. I haven't heard of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but Pelican are super readily available. They're all over the place. If you do a little a quick Google search or Craigslist search or a Facebook Marketplace search, I guarantee you there's somebody selling used Pelican cases near you. Um the next thing that you need to do that I think a lot of guys are not taking advantage of, if you know for under that five hundred dollars, is buying a backup hard drive or multiple hard or drives. Or multiple hard drives. You're always sending one away, like you sent one to me to work on that edit. Mm-hmm. You're always sending one away to somebody, yeah. and they're going to have it. Well, in that drive I sent to you, I had backed up all my stuff. Like I, I would never send, I would never send something off to someone that I didn't have backed up somewhere else. Like, my rule of thumb is to have it in three places. One is none, two is one, and I have it more than one place. So, uh, I generally have things in three places. We're looking at even putting a NAS drive in here. I don't know if we're going to do that because it's super expensive. But Ryan and I are having to trade and share footage a lot, so it's going to be really nice to have it that available you to us. You can only come up with so many names for hard drives, too. Yeah, and have it in so many places. Like, I know he's got it in two places. I've got it in two places, sometimes three. So, I mean, we've got the same footage in five places sometimes. But I'm super, super anal about not losing someone's footage because that's, you know, that's my reputation. That's, you know, my business. So I try and do a really good job of keeping up with that kind of thing. Um I think that's really important because if you've got all your footage sitting on your desktop and that's the only place it is, man, you're playing with fire. And I, unless you're filming in 360 or 720, your your desktop's only going to hold so yeah. much. Because you're playing with fire a couple different reasons. If you travel with that thing, it has a really good chance of growing legs and getting stolen, getting dropped, getting something spilled on it. Uh, and if it's a solid-state drive, then you're really playing with fire because if that solid state drive somehow one of these days decides to crap the bed, you're not getting any. You're of it not back. getting it any of it back. It's gone. 
Um, that's the one advantage of having the old style magnet, you know, spinning hard drives is it's most of the time it's recoverable. Those solid state drives, they're super fast. They're light, they're small, but oh man, they <laughs> scare the crap out of me. Um, I just don't, I don't like the solid state and they're super expensive, yep. but like that's a solid state drive on the desktop but I don't ever keep footage on the desktop. It always lives on the hard drive. I don't so. have anything saved on my computer except my Adobe Cloud stuff. Yeah. If it's Adobe software, that's all I have saved on my computer. Everything else I own, schoolwork, anything is on drive. Yeah, or in the cloud. Yeah. I, I, try don't, use, I don't use cloud. Oh, anything. really? Nothing cloud. I try and use as much cloud as I possibly can. I don't want to pay for clouds. Oh, well, I I, I have to pay if, for it. If I'm going to pay for storage, I'd rather be able to physically hold it versus have the cloud. That's just me. Yeah, well, I only use the cloud for archiving um documents oh, and yeah. images um i don't use it for video because i can't afford it but uh like a google drive i've got a hundred gig google drive that'll keep every piece of paper that i've ever needed all my proposals all my invoices all my and paperwork st- and students you can get like i think it's 50 gigs to, through your school for free mm-hmm. so yeah it's a hundred it's two dollars a month for 100 gigs yeah so it's dirt cheap um and it's Save my butt a couple of times mm-hmm. being on the road and needing something. I can access this from my phone. Or that's one thing you don't have to carry with mm-hmm. you everywhere because you have it on the cloud. But you need internet yeah, you service. You need to, yeah. You need internet service to get it. Um, another thing, and Clayton and I were just talking about this a minute ago, um, if you've only got 500 bucks to spend and you want something to really up your game, and this is, this is not only going to up your game, but it's going to speed up and change your life, is getting a monitor if you get it off a laptop. Um, buy a monitor. Uh, you can buy a 30-inch monitor for to edit off your laptop. You know, for an HDMI monitor or a fire or a lightning monitor or something. Um, a couple hundred bucks, two hundred fifty oh, bucks. I bought mine. Mine went to Best Buy. It's Sony, seventy-five dollars. Mm-hmm. It's not the best color, mm-hmm. but I don't use it. What I use it for is I put my effects panel, mm-hmm. my effects controls, my media browser, all that stuff is over on that. Then I can have just my timeline and my playback view where I'm going to use the color correct on my laptop. And then I can make my timeline bigger, which is yeah. easier for editing. And you edit on a monitor for a little bit. Oh, my and God. You'll, then you'll go back to editing on your laptop, and you'll wonder how yeah. the heck you ever did it. Yep. Um, like, I don't, I don't like editing on the road now because when I come back to my office, I've got 60 inches of monitor between my 27-inch iMac and my 27-inch um, uh, cinema display. I mean, I'm editing on 60 inches of monitor and working on it. And then I get back to my 15 inch computer and I'm like, I just want to blow my brains out. Like a rookie again. Yeah, it's yeah. And, well, and it's just it's slower. It's such a pain in the butt. I, don't, I have to like everything's look and squint. so much smaller. Yeah. yeah, everything's smaller. It's just what, a pain. It in the doesn't butt. bother me having all of Premiere on one screen, mm-hmm. but just when I go in to do effects or color grading or keyframing or things like that, moving everything off the screen except for my playback and my timeline, you make the timeline so much taller mm-hmm. that you don't have to scroll up and down when you have those multiple yeah. layers of video. Oh, it, it, it speeds up everything. It yeah. makes you more efficient. Uh, you can see things better. You can work faster. Um, it, it just improves. And it's not one of those things you have to get used to. Well, like it's instantaneous. Well, that and another thing, and for you Apple users, if you're an Apple user, buy a Magic Mouse. Um it, you don't like Magic Mouse? Mm-hmm. Well, you're smoking I got a, weed. I got, a, I got an HP mouse on a Mac. Oh, God. I do. I love. I could not edit without my Magic Mouse. I'm so much faster with that side scroll. Uh, I use that constantly. See, I just hold Command, mm-hmm. and you can scroll 
Yeah. It does the same thing. Yeah, but see, that's I have to reach up and push a button. I'm yeah, fast. but I'm always using quick keys anyways. I'm always editing with yeah. one hand on the keyboard. Well, I am too, but I mean, I guess you're right. I, I just, I love my Magic Mouse. They're not that expensive. I just got Ryder one the other day. I don't know how he's, he hasn't used oh, it Oh, you need to send yet. it back because I got one. I'll, I'll mail it to you. You, you got what? A Magic Mouse. Get your money back. Oh, wow. Well. Um, he's already had I'll, it. For I'll mail a, it to you in case you need another one. Yeah, he's already had it for a month or so, so I I'll probably mail, out, I'll outside the thing. But um, I love my Magic Mouse. I guess it's probably a preference too. Like I don't know a lot of people that edit off trackpad. They buy that trackpad. I ain't no, no way to do that. No chance. Yeah. No chance. Yeah, I'm not a not a fan. Of I got that. a kid in one of my classes that edits with double mouses. Double mouses. No idea how he does. It doesn't use a single quick key. It's all. Double well, mouses. I remember a friend of mine went to a red class one time, and there was this chick that was teaching the red class. He said that she was show, she was going through edits and never touched the mouse. She was on the she was on the keyboard the whole time, never touched the mouse. I was like, "How?" He's like, "I don't know." <laughs> He's like, like she had the old the old PCs the teachers have that he had said, the little mouse joystick. No, he said the that he said it was just a like a black keyboard. It was a PC. He said there's a mouse there, but she never touched it. He said she edited and went through everything. You know, scroll, scrubbing footage, dragging footage in, everything, and never touched the mouse. He said, I don't know how she God did it. bless her. Yeah, she was obviously a freaking Jedi. Yeah. Um, She's edited a lot more than I have, I know that. And he said that she was pretty attractive, so I wouldn't mind going to that class. Which is perfect segue. Um, The last thing is if you have $500 um, and you're really trying to improve your, um, improve your production and you don't want to buy gear and you think um, something else might help you, Find a class. Go to the Copeland Creative. Uh, well, that's uh, one uh, class. Production but it, class. Like I just posted the other day, which I think is a little more than 500 guys on the West Coast. Um, Grady Rawls is putting on one uh, in Oregon. Who He does an awesome class. Um, save your money and go to a good class. I think, it's, I think it is worth your time. And if that would have been available to me when I was coming up, God, dude, to, to have learned from somebody that does this day in and day out to – Find out, figure out the shortcuts, the faster ways to do it, the the things I need to buy, the things I don't need to buy, just to lay hands on something, to have somebody over my shoulder telling me what's right and what's wrong, dude. That's you can't put a price on that. And like I can I can tell you over this podcast, I'm blue in the face, but until you're sitting here with me and I can physically show you, you know, in the editing and in the shooting and the framing and the focus and the aperture and the you know in the exposure in the how to run your camera, how to add movement, how to hide and edit, how to speed up, how to edit to them, you know, how to all these different things until I've got you in front of me. I, that's really hard to do over an audio podcast. And not to toot your horn, but I spend how many thousands of dollars on my college classes mm-hmm. to, supposed to teach me how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm already, no pressure, but I'm already expecting to learn more in five days <laughs> oh, than, I, than I've learned. There, Don't say so. that. Well, we well, I'll do my best, but I'm not going to promise you anything. But those are those are some things that I think if you've got around 500 bucks to spend, that is where I would put my money. Um, I think those things are going to get you way ahead of the next guy that's trying to do the same thing. Um, are there other things that I probably missed or forgot? Probably. Um, are there things you can get for less money or more money? Yes. But you know, I, was, I figured five hundred bucks is a good benchmark. That's not mm-hmm. unattainable for most people. It's a, it's a tax refund for most people. It's a tax refund for most people. So I think that's something that you can absolutely go out, spend your money on those things, talk your old lady into buying you something, or you know, and figure out where that is going to, where you feel like it's going to improve you the most, and that's where I spend your money. I, I would say, 
just from someone coming from where I didn't have a lot of money to spend when I first started into it. Everybody. Yeah. Get get the things that you know you're going to use all the time and Mm -hmm. it's going to make it feel like it was worth that money. Yeah. Like if you're, like if you never use a tripod, but you go spend a thousand dollars on your tripod, you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth. Get hard drives, get SD cards, you know, get things for your computer that you're going to use to edit all the time. Yeah. Things like that. Or even like something I don't see used a lot in outdoor production, get a slider Mm -hmm. or get an extra, if you have a slider, get an extra tripod head to put on that slider, get quick release plates, get all those small things that you have sitting in your cart that equal to $300 and there's 50 different things in there. Get all those, get all those small things that you've been, Oh, I'll get it after my next job or I'll get it next week or when they go on sale, get all those small things. Yeah. Yeah, no, th- that's a great piece of advice to get things that you know that you're going to use and that you're going to put miles on. Because, I mean, in this business, you're going to put miles on. There's no doubt yep. about it. Um, so I think that's pretty much the, the, the buying guy, the gift guy. I mean, that was only five or six items. but Or batteries, extra batteries. Extra batteries, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty easy. But those yeah. generally aren't that expensive. Um, so the next thing I wanted to get into is – some of these questions, we didn't have too terribly many because I didn't give you guys a whole lot of time. I think we've only got five or six questions. So the first one that we got, listener question, uh, is from Curtis Blosser, um, and it is favorite intervals for time lapse. Um, generally, if I'm doing a night lapse, it's always 25 to 30 seconds. Um, that's how long the picture is taken, and then my interval is 35 seconds. So I'm giving the camera 30 seconds to take the picture and write to the card and it gives it five seconds to write to the card and then it takes the next picture. So it's taking a picture every 35 seconds with a 30 second interval on the, or a 30 second shutter speed with a 35 second interval. That's generally what I'm doing for night lapses. That's what the one I just did in Texas. That's what it was. Um, I think I was shooting. I shot that night lapse on my 5d Mark four. I shot it in two, eight, F28 ISO was on 500 and my shutter speed was 30 seconds. And then I took a picture every 35 seconds and then I exported it, ran it through Lightroom, um, synchronized settings, and then put it in Premiere and exported the time lapse in the uh, uh, QuickTime 422. And that's the night lapse. How, how fast of interval will your 5D Mark IV go? Because like my Sony, I can go down to like one every half second. Or one every one second. Oh, you mean like for take? Oh, for taking time. pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, no, no, for time lapse. Yeah, it'll like do. I can my time lapse settings. I can take a picture every one second if yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. It'll do it in one yeah. second. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, generally on day lapses, if you're talking about doing day lapses, um, if you're say you're doing like in the middle of the day and you got big white puffy clouds, um, generally I'm gonna do those every five to seven seconds. Um, I'll just expose the shot for whatever it needs to be, and then the interval in between pictures will be five to seven seconds, especially if they're big white puffy clouds and are moving pretty fast. That's generally what I do. But for them, for like sunrises, um, I'll generally do those every three to five seconds. Yeah, whatever. With more movement, you're yeah. going to want to take more pictures yeah. quicker. So three to five seconds. And uh, for a rule of thumb on a time lapse, I want to have a 10-second time lapse. And the reason I want a 10-second time lapse is because sometimes during a time lapse, there's going to be two or three seconds in there that something might not look good or it might be too dark or too bright. So I want to be able to cut that out of my lapse. So I want to have, you know, five to seven seconds of usable footage. So if you're shooting in 24 frames a second, 
you know, if your timeline is 24 frames a second, how many pictures do I need? 240. That's the, the absolute minimum pictures I'd want in a 24 frames. You're shooting 30 frames a second, you want 300 pictures. So that's what you need to remember. Depending on how, what your, you know, what your editing timeline, you know, your frame rate is, if you're sh- shooting in 24, then you need 240 pictures at a minimum. If you're doing it in 30 frames a second, you need 300 pictures at a minimum. I generally try and, when I'm taking night lapses, I run it until the battery dies and go get it the next morning most of the time. Um, it, unless it's late season, like I like doing night lapses in late season because I can set it out as soon as we get back and I can go pull it before I go to bed. And dump footage. And dump footage, dump yeah. footage while you're doing the And night then lapse. charge batteries and be ready to go the next morning. My camera's not soaking wet from dew. Or and, frozen. And, or frozen, yeah, most of the time. So that's that's how I like to do it. And um, I've had a few people ask me, a time lapse is not recording something and speeding it up in post. Time lapse, we mean a bunch of photos put together to make it look like a video. Mm-hmm. It's not sped up video. Yeah, well, it, it can be, but when we're talking about we're talking about time lapses, when I'm talking about taking pictures with a DSLR and compiling them correct. into a lapse. And, yeah, correct. Um, but I have done. I mean, that's that's how I used to do time lapses before I got into DSLRs. Mm-hmm. Was I just go out? I'd set my camera on record and let it record for 30 minutes. Yeah, and if it is something where you're trying to time lapse, like a campsite where people are moving around and Mm -hmm. stuff, obviously you can't do the photos at a slow shutter speed because everything's going to be blurry. Mm -hmm. So that would be a time that you could film everything and then speed it up. If you're doing like a landscape night lapse or something like that, you could use definitely. Yeah, now there's there's other ways of doing it other than doing it with a DSLR. I mean, that's that's the quick and dirty way to do it. It's just record a long video and then speed that up in post. Um, done that many times. I still do that sometimes, depending on what it is. Like if I'm in a ground blind and I've got a cool sunset coming up, I'll set my camera up, lock it down, hit record, and let the sun come up through my frame. I'll do that. I mean, I did that in South Dakota this last time. I mean, we put it in the show. So uh, I do that all the time. And then I think the FS5 has it, but the FS7 has interval record. Mm-hmm. I can actually yeah. record interval time lapses yep. in there. So um, that's that's a good one. Uh, auto white balance setting, set it to a number. Okay. So on the FS5 and the FS7, and I'm pretty sure most other cameras, a lot of other big cameras, they'll have a, a switch that will have um, like an A, a B, and a preset for where you can set different color temperatures for those numbers. And generally what I like to do is I like set A as what I'm going to use the most, which is going to be outside, which is generally between 5,500 and 6,000. That's what I have mindset as 5,500. So, um, 5,500 to 6,000, that's generally going to get you really close. The B number is that early morning, generally what I put it at, which is usually going to be your 35 to 4,000. Because, yeah, it's usually cooler. Mm-hmm. And then, um, or 30, no, 32 to 37, something like that. I can't, I have to look at it. And then, um, the preset, um, the preset is what I use when I want to go in and I want to change it on the fly. I'll flip it all the way down to the bottom. I'll go into a room that's got, you know, that's got like tungsten. It's got tungsten yeah. lights, or it's really yellow or really orange, and I'll find something white. I'll expose. I'll walk up to whatever that white is, and I'll hit my white balance button, white balance off that, and then I'll start filming. And I'll use my preset as my kind of my rover. But A is usually my daylight. B is my early morning, late evening, well, early morning, and then um, presets what I use as my rover. That's generally that's exactly how I, how I had mine set up. Yeah. Um, next question. <laughs> Ryer, how do I grow a beard like that Ryer guy? Will that help me produce better? <laughs> oh, Ryer, 
No, it won't. <laughs> uh, regular batteries versus rechargeables. Re- regular double A's versus rechargeable. Um, I run regulars. I runs rechargeables. There's several times that I've ran rechargeables, and I think they're great. But that's just one more thing to, to charge, charge and keep up with. But buying double A's every trip gets expensive. Um, I think it comes down to you know what your budget is. You want to spend money on some really good double A's, and you want to really keep up because double A's are a pain in the butt to keep up with. I lose them all the time, so that's why I buy a big pack of them every time I go. I think you should have a big pack of them with you either way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just buy a big pack either way. And I mean, they need to be fresh double A's too. Yeah, unless you're buying really nice ones, which yeah. I'm usually not. I'm buying the Rayovacs, or I can yeah. get 36 of them for nine bucks. Or yeah, something like that's that. that's the best Especially way to do when, it. When you're running through them, like when it's cold out and those batteries are getting the juice sucked out of them, the double A's are the best. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, and you don't have to charge them all the time. Yeah. Um, second angle mounting options. Actually, the best second man- angle mounting option I found is the mounting the the arm mount for the uh, Ozonics. The arm that you use to mount an Ozonics, it's got so many different angles that you can mount it at. It's super easy to get in the tree, and it holds a lot of weight, so you can mount about whatever DSLR you want. That's been the best one I've found. Uh, Amazon used to sell one, and I cannot find it anymore. That was, uh, I have one in there. Um, I don't even know what it's called, but it's just a little bifold metal, kind of like a easy hanger type thing. With a decent little ball head on it, and I can't. And it was really easy to get in the tree. Holds a lot of weight. Cannot. I'll, I'll never remember the name of it. Um, and I don't think it has a name on. It. It's kind of like generic looking. So you don't use your Osmo anymore? Yeah, I do. Oh, you do. Um, you don't use I, any GoPro attachments for that because I use that giant clamp with the gooseneck on it. I, I do, my... but that thing is so loud. When you're in the tree trying to move that thing yeah, around, it just creaks and cracks, mm-hmm. and I just try not to use I that th- in the I th- tree. I like it because what I can do is usually your camera stand is above the hunter stand, and I will mount that clamp to the platform of my cameraman stand because mm-hmm. it's usually right at uh, right at eye angle. Well, I've done that before, but I like having mine like almost like a god's eye view. Mm-hmm. I like having it up real high. Um, but the what I've done for that angle for the the GoPro and the Osmo is um, I made my own mount, and I'll show you one in there. So it's a, it's like a $2 Home Depot clamp, the really heavy-duty metal ones. And then I buy on Amazon, they're like 9 or $11, the little magic arms mm-hmm. that move around that you tighten them up and they'll move in any position, they, and they swivel on the top and the bottom. Um, I'll make my own mount with that because that is way better than any mount I've found. And it's cheaper than the, the oh, $45 GoPro. Heck yeah, it is. Um, and I've used the crap out of and you can And if you lose it, big deal. And you can't break them. I mean, yeah. they're freaking bulletproof. Um, those little magic arms are getting cheaper and cheaper though. Like they're not, they're not as nice. There's, they'll get there's rusty. There's so many companies making ripoffs. Of well, they're getting, they'll get rusty. They're, they'll get hard to, and they'll like creak and crack if you use them too long. So you kind of got to try and keep them dry just so they don't, they'll rust. I've got one that's actually on my Osmo that's still in Utah that I left there. Um, it's, uh, it's my best one I've ever found and I cannot find it. I think the company that made the magic arms stopped making them. Because I can't find any more. It's got a blue handle. Fourth Arrow makes a lot of that. Mm-hmm. They make a giant thing that screws into the tree. Mm-hmm. And then it extends out like a tripod lid, like eight feet. Oh, I've seen and that. 
But that's it's, just it's, one more. Well, thing it's to keep an up awesome with. concept, and yeah. the shot's awesome. But you got to. Ex- I don't know what deer doesn't see that giant eight foot. Yeah, I don't either. With a I, camera, I don't know who's carrying that around. No, but whatever. Um, will Copeland Creative be hiring at all in the future? That is a great question. I don't know. Um, it is possible. It's a good Any, problem to have. Anything's possible. Um, I don't know. We've got some things that are coming up that if we get all of them, then probably. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I want a whole lot more. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a whole lot more. Um, it's it's we're go- everything's going great right now. Um, super busy, but I'm hoping I'm hoping soon. Um, I've always said the perfect size production is three or four guys. Um, well, and the problem you have is you want to have enough work to where you need help, but mm-hmm. you still want to be able to have the time to go film and not have to manage people. I've heard you say that before. Yeah, well, I, that's why I want to hire people that are that I don't have to babysit. Um cuz I've had to I've hired people I've had to babysit before and used them on certain things and that doesn't help me. Um and, and I'm I'm too busy to where I can train somebody like I'd like to train somebody. I bring somebody in that's green and train them. I'd love to be I'd love to have the time and the money to Build do that. Someone from oh, the I'd ground love up. that. Don't it's not in the cards right now. It might be next year. I doubt it, but it might be. Um, one of these days, I'd love to. I would. I would. Honest to God, my my top of the mountain dream would be to have three, four, maybe five guy production that I could travel fifty to a hundred days a year. I could have two guys that burn the road up that really enjoy traveling and that are really good at it and that are really good people that are positive that do a great job and then have two other guys that just edit or produce and edit that do both and keep those four guys or three or four guys as busy as they want to be and have it to where I can keep them as busy as they want or if they need to scale back, they can... The problem with this business, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, and this is a really good thing for those of you listening. This business is wonderful. I I love, absolutely adore what I do. And I got into this when I was, how old was I? 24? I think I was 24, 23, 24, something like that. And uh, I was newly married, hadn't been married that long. Might have been 25, somewhere around in there. Um, I... Uh, I got into this, and I'd just gotten married, and I wasn't making much money, but I didn't care. I was happy to be doing it. I mean, I, that w- I would have done this job for free when I yeah, first got hired. traveling around filming hunting. Yeah, I mean, it was the greatest thing ever, and I wasn't qualified for it, and I knew I wasn't qualified for it, and I told my old boss that I wasn't qualified, and he hired me anyway. Um, I wasn't qualified when I got there, but six months after I'd been working there, I was qualified because I worked with some of the best in the business, and um, and I started getting better at it, started networking, started figuring out that what I did had value and that I could provide value. Um, and I made a little bit more money, made a little bit more money, and then I hit a I hit a threshold. And that happened to me because I worked in a company that, for whatever reason, didn't set us up to excel past a certain level. Um, there was never going to be a lot of m- more money to be made. There was nowhere to go. 
Um, ownership in the company wasn't an option. Um, and I was, I was stuck and I didn't, and, and I was one of the few guys there that had aspirations to do other things, to, to do more, to make more money, to work with bigger names, to do more stuff. And, uh, that's why I eventually left. But now what I'm realizing is this is a young man's game. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'll turn 33 in eight days. Yeah, I know. Um, and 33 is not old, but I have three kids now. I have a big family. Um, my kids are to the age now to where I'm missing things. And it's not. And I love traveling. I do. I love doing what I do. I love getting to see new places, go on these hunts and travel. But I'm traveling so much that I'm missing things. And the problem with this industry <clears throat> is you have to make the money when it's there. Yeah. Because it's not a 365. No. Day a year and, thing. And, and that's really hard on me. It's hard on my family. Um, so my goal, and when I hired Ryer and I told him, I'm like, look, he's single. He's not married. He's got a girlfriend. He's not married. Um, I was like, look, I'm going I'm to burn you up. I was like, this is going to be different than anything you've ever done. And he's like, beam me up, Scotty. And he's <laughs> he's done a really good job at it. And he told me. Is that two compliments? Towards Ryer and one podcast. Yeah, God, I really hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, he uh, he told me. I told him in the because he got here in the middle of August, and I literally left. I was here one day when he moved here from California. I was here a day with him. Then I left the next day, and I was gone for like I don't know thirty something days. And I told him, I'm like, look, this is going to be a freaking whirlwind, man. It's going to be wide open. It's going to be way different than what you're used to. I was like, but just keep your nose down, you know, work hard. I was like, and it'll be over before you know it. You'll think it's going to be crazy, and but it'll be over before you know it. And uh, I told him that in August, and he, we talked. I think we got to be in the office one more day in September together, and he thought he's like, dude, you weren't lying. He's like, this is wild. He's like, this is way faster paced than I'm used to. And I was like, dude, I was like, and it ain't going to slow down until end of October, middle of October. And it, he got about two weeks here in the office, I think, since September. And he's been in and out ever since. I mean, he's been burning it up, and uh, but he's been doing well at it. And uh, he's enjoying it. So, But it, it, he's in the perfect place, the perfect yeah, position no to be doing yeah. that. And, and, you can, and anybody can do it until you start getting you a kid or two. You need the time to do it. Until yeah. you start getting a kid or two. Um, if you're a single dude or a or newly married guy who's got a really understanding wife or girlfriend, this is something you can do. But once you start having a family, it's a lot tougher. Um, I don't think I'll ever completely give up traveling because I enjoy it too that's much. Why you got, that's why you. Got that's why into I got it. into it. Yeah. Um, but but I, I say that before I got into this, I didn't care anything about traveling. Yeah. Didn't care anything about it. The only traveling I'd ever done was tra- travel to play baseball, and that was in the southeast. I'd never really gone anywhere else. And I was one of those guys like, eh, really care? I can look at that on Google. I can, I can see Google the mountains Maps. on Google Maps, man. And then I got this job and started traveling. And first year, went to the Yukon and got to go to Iowa and got to go to all these places. I'm like, you know what? This traveling thing ain't that bad. You know, the getting there sucks. Yeah, but but once you especially get, when you're not the one paying for it either. Well, oh, that's the best part. And getting to see and do things that you wouldn't get to do otherwise. Like when Ryer found out he was going to be at Ted Nugent's place, I was like, dude, we get to do some stuff in this job that you don't get to do in other jobs. I was like, don't take it for granted. 
Um, because it gets really easy to start taking crap like that for granted. Yeah. Because we get to see and do things that most people will never do. Um, but we, you know, try and stay humble about it and all that good stuff. But um, this, when I say that, just, I said all that to say, I got, <laughs> I'm rambling. Um, I want to get it to the place to where I can have three or four young guys that I can put in positions to work hard and make really good money and uh, do something that's really enjoyable because the problem is this job is something that's hard to sustain for 10 plus years. You know, I'm going on, you know, eight or nine years, going on 10 years, and that's a long time. Uh, it's hard to sustain it because, like I said, it's it's a grind, man. It's a freaking grind. And it takes three or four of those years to build the clients yeah. to get you to do it for 10 well, then, years. And, and I don't care how much you like to hunt. I don't care if hunting, if you would rather hunt than eat. You do it as much as we do it and we're getting paid to do it, it's still, it'll start whining. It'll start, you know, wearing on you. Um, it's, it's really tough. And then, then you add that fact in that you've been gone this many days and you've just, you've gone away from your girlfriend. Then now you're gone from your wife. Well, I, I hear a lot of guys are like, Oh, I could do that. Easy. I, I can get up easy and hunt all the time. Well, yeah. that's easy. Cause you're the hunter. You're yeah. not the one sitting behind the camera. No. Get, and if you don't wake up, you don't get paid. You ask anybody that's done this for a long time, they'll tell you that the guy behind the camera's job is tougher than the guy holding if the you, job. If you need eight hours of sleep a night, do not yeah. do not get into this job. So anyway, that's the uh, we, we digress. Yeah, we digress. Um, how do you keep your head in the game after grinding all season? Uh, you, I don't really know the answer to that. It's kind of my daddy always said, mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Um, I just constantly remind myself, kind of going back to what we just said, I constantly remind myself that I'm getting paid to film a hunt. Or I'm getting paid to. You could be doing worse I'm, things. Oh, yeah. I get, I'm constantly, when when it's a really rough trip or we've got an outfitter that's a douche or we've got a, it's really cold or it's really hot or whatever, I'm then I just always try and take a step back and be like, you know what? I can go back to my hometown and find 10 guys. I could throw a rock and hit 10 dudes that kill to be where I'm at right now. So it's really hard to get down on yourself. It's really hard to feel sorry for yourself when this is what you're getting paid to do. Um, are there are there negative aspects to it? Yeah, 100%. But they don't outweigh the positives. No, you could have a 9-to-5 cubicle job. Yeah, So, but... When I when I think about this question, like how do you keep your head in the game after grinding all season, I'm thinking about the editing grind. When it yeah. when I, first thing I thought about when he said this question, and that's what and the editing the editing is so hard because Ryan and I've talked about this is like it's so hard to go from being on the road filming for week or two or three or four, then come back and have a hard drive full of stuff that now I've got to edit and switch over from road travel filming production to staring at a computer screen for eight hours. You've been running like a wild Indian for two weeks. Now you've got to come back and, and edit. come back and have to edit five or six videos, mm-hmm. how am I not going to make all these look or feel the same? Well, that and, it, like, it takes me most of the time a good day, day and a half to flip that switch in my mind. That's why there's so much value in a full-time editor mm-hmm. who he stays in that state of mind all the time. He's there in the groove. He can be creative. He cannot stay in a rut. You know, he's not... Because he doesn't have, like, with me, when I get back from a trip, I got to get all these edits, and I'm leaving again. So I only have a short amount of time. Whereas, you know, somebody that edits all the time, and I think about Nate, the guy I used to work with, who just go in there, put his headphones on, stare at a screen, and just go to work. 
every day. He'd get there at eight, he'd leave at five. He was a machine. I, and that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is so much value in that. That's not me, but for somebody that can do that, oh man. Especially when, like, I know I've heard you talk about while you're filming, think about how you're going to edit it. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time you've got done filming that fifth video and you haven't edited that first one yet, you've completely forgot some of the things you shot for a specific reason. Like, I know. Like when I do weddings, I have a wedding done in 24 hours after I've shot it just because yeah. I'm in that state of mind and all that kind of stuff. I can't. Well, and it's fresh. It's fresh on your mind to where yeah. you're not. Um, if you let it go too long, that's another thing. Like if I come back and look at footage I shot two months ago, I'm like, I don't remember everything I did uh-huh. on that trip. I filmed three more since then. Right. You know, I don't remember everything that happened, so I have to really have to really think about it. Um. Another question here. Oh, we've had several more come in. Um, could y'all do a video or a series on learning how to edit content for beginners? Uh, YouTube. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could. That's gonna take. It's gonna take a lot of time. That I don't know if we have. Uh, honestly. The the problem I've seen being self taught and going on YouTube, it, I learn more from watching someone like watching one of your videos and seeing a shot that I liked or a sequence of clips I like Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to do that versus, Hey, teach me how to edit a 22 Mm -hmm. minute TV show. Well, I think it would be, if, if you're really wanting to learn how to edit, it would be super valuable. YouTube's great. It would be super valuable to get a one-on-one class. And that's something that I'm going to do. I haven't got it set up yet. I'm going to try and start doing that in March in the springtime and in the summer when we have more time is bring some money in and do a one-on-one like two or three day edit class where either you bring in footage or I show you footage that we have and I'll go through and edit it and have you edit something. It literally be a one-on-one or two on a two-on-one type thing. Um, that's going to be the absolute quickest way to, to grasp it. And that'll also tell you whether or not this is for you or not. Yeah. You spend that two or three days and you, you're going to learn a lot of, a lot of things about yourself. Like I can absolutely do this and it clicks in your head and you're like, I got it. Or it's going to be like, this ain't for me. Um, and I was one of the guys where it clicked. And I've had guys I've taught. And if you're going to go to one of those classes, in my opinion, have some prior knowledge of editing before you yeah, show up. Yeah, you don't need to be completely green when you get there. I've taught, I would say, a dozen or so guys um, how to edit. All those guys that I've taught, though, knew the program. They might not know how to edit, but they knew the program yeah, before they got here. Yeah, know way around it at least. And, um, but, but I was one of those guys that knew the program that didn't know how to edit. And Chance Chandler, Chance Chancellor taught me how to edit in, in the school of freaking hard knocks. He handed me a drive and said, "Here you go, edit it." I'd edit it, and he'd come in there and he'd rip it apart. And I'd go and edit it again. He'd rip it apart. He'd come in. I'd edit it again. He'd rip it apart. It took me. To do a show that should have took me five or six days, it took me probably three weeks. But that three weeks, I learned more in three weeks of being just completely obliterated on my edit than I did in three and a half years of trying to figure it out on my own. If you can't find someone that you can drive to or get to easily to mm-hmm. teach you to edit, find someone to critique your videos that isn't going to be nice to you because they love you. Yeah. Well, another thing I could do, and I haven't thought about this, is I could do like a live stream. I could live stream some edits. Mm -hmm. Huh, I never thought about that. I guess I could do that. Start scheduling those. 
Why do that? So that is possible. We may do that. Um, once you have a basic setup, what do you upgrade first for filming whitetails? So I'm assuming if you have a basic setup, so you have a camera, a camera arm, a shotgun mic, and that's probably your basic setup. First thing, like we said earlier, is, is, shot, is wireless mics. That's the first thing I'm upgrading uh, is a good set of wireless mics. Um, the next thing I'm, I'm upgrading is probably a better fluid head, getting a better fluid head for my camera arm and or a remote. If I'm using a, a, cam, a handy cam, I'm getting a remote that I can run my camera better if I'm self-filming. Drone. Um, yeah, a drone, but that's going to be, I mean, I don't know if that's within your price range, but that's really going to change the perspective is a drone. Um, a lot of the stuff, when you first start out, you don't need, it's not about updating things mm-hmm. as much as it is adding things. Yeah, and, and, or support, you know, yeah. getting a, a drone or a gimbal or a, a jib or slider. a s- slider, things like that. Uh, I think it's going to depend on what your budget is, but the first thing I'm getting is wireless mics. Yep. Uh, second question, how much for a private lesson on filming a hunt from you or Ryder? <laughs> um, I don't know. We're still working on that, but that is something that we are going to work on I've got all this stuff on my to-do list when I get caught up with my edits, but I can't think about uh, any of this until I get done with edits. Uh, and it looks like the last question is something about working with LUTs. Should I buy them or make my own neutral LUT grading? So Ryan and I have started filming stuff in S-Log 2 a little bit more. Um, I filmed an entire hunt in South Dakota in S-Log 2. And uh, Ryer actually edited it and colored it and freaking knocked it out of the park. And uh, there's some LUTs that are built into Premiere that really helped editing that. And that is once you go into, once you drop in Lemetri Color onto your clip to color it, you'll go into that Creative tab and you can actually toggle through built-in LUTs that are in Premiere. And those are going to give you a really good basis of what that clip can look like. And once you find the LUT that you like in that creative tab, you can actually turn down or turn up the intensity of that LUT. So that's going to give you a really good basis for what those clips should look like. And that's exactly what we did in that South Dakota episode. Um, Ryer blew through that color a lot quicker than he normally did because we needed to get that edit out. And that one to me, was one of the best-looking ones we've done. I think if you're a freelance guy and you're not doing a series where everything has to look the same. Siri uh, thought you Siri said Siri. Siri thought I said series. <laughs> um, like, if you're doing a series, I think working with LUTs is awesome because it makes that color grading and making every episode of every se- of the series look different. But if you're a freelance guy, just getting random calls from different people and you're editing their stuff, I don't know if, if LUTs... Would be your best. No, and bet. if you're just and if you're just if you're filming for other people, you need to find out what they want because like most people aren't going to want S log two because it's a lot of extra work. Yep. Um, but if you're just filming for yourself, like I know I know the guy that uh, asked that question does some. He's a really good photographer. Um, I think that's something that he's wanting to get into making his stuff even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are. I think I think going out and buying some LUTs to play around with, you know, spend a little money on trying some some LUTs they're not to see. Expensive. They're not that expensive to play around with. I think that's a great idea. But even better is creating one of your own, which Ryan and I have talked about, is trying to create our own LUT that we can put on top of stuff to give our own stuff our own look mm-hmm. at the end. But I, I'm kind of on the fence about that because I always am not wanting people to know that we did it. I do and I don't. I don't want someone to watch 
two different series that we produce and say, well, Copeland created did that because those look exactly the same. Well, but you want people to know you did it because you want them to, to hire you. I want them to know that we did it just by seeing our name at the end, not yeah. by what it looks like. I want them to say that was really good who, who <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I want them to see it and say that was really good who did that, not to watch something and say, well, I know they did that, I know they did that, I know they did that, because those are the exact And sometimes same. I have that problem because I know who you work for and mm-hmm. who you work with, that as soon as I see something from them on YouTube or Instagram, I know you did it. Yeah. So I already have that preconceived. Yeah. But someone that's not as familiar with you, I can yeah. see, yeah. Well, and you know, that's that's when we start talking about style. You know, we yeah. talked about that whole exploration of style. That's when you start having to, and that was something we did when I was at sub seven that we were really good at is we did a couple, you know, seven different TV shows before I left and none of them looked the same. They all had their own feel, their own look, their own production, their own editing style. And that's extremely hard to do because there's some other really big productions out there. I mean, if they did it, I can watch it. And I know because everything they do has got the same style, the same speed, the same voiceover guy, the same structure. It's all templatized. It's super easy. It's quick. They probably do it twice as fast as we used to do it. But it all looks the same. There's there's nothing special about it. So that's my two cents on the whole thing. Let me go back and make sure um, make sure that's all the questions. But I'm pretty sure it is because I didn't give I only gave everybody like six hours, but I did get quite a few. You got more than more, I thought. More you questions would. Than I thought I would. Yeah. Um. That looks like it. I think we've almost been talking an hour, so that's about perfect. You got anything else before we uh, roll back to the house? Because it is 8.30. My kids are in the bed, and it's time to go to bed. And i got to get this podcast out now. That's all I got. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Um, RednecktechPodcast at gmail.com. If you've got a question or um, want to talk to me about some production stuff, uh, at Redneck Tech Podcast on Instagram. And... Uh, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Thanks.